You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we still play Mike Tyson's punch out. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, including my opening quip, because that's a lie. I think I've played Mike Tyson's punch out maybe once in my life, but it was too good of a quip to not use this week. And other exciting things about this week is my co-host is back. Finally, it feels like it's been forever. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Oh, what a wonderful week it's been this week. Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, recovery and work uh, from uh, opening Santa Rosa and uh, everything's going gangbusters up there. Um, man, so many so many things to say. Not sure where to start, but uh, it was... Uh, a lot of fun up there and all my friends that helped out. I really appreciate all the help and all the folks that stopped in to the store. And, um, it's been a, a huge success and it's really paid off the last week. We've seen an, a, a lot of, uh, uh, good customer reports and already looking for the next store up there. So we're really excited about that. And yeah, uh, but I've missed, uh, I've missed the midside. Well, I, I'm sure nothing has been going on while I was gone. We missed you in the midside. Well, there was an entire episode that was not recorded, and then I did a solo episode last week. So it's great to have you back. Uh, I'd say you you miss you missed a bit, but I mean, really, this past week had some crazy stuff happening. I mean, the mask mandate being dropped federally finally, and yeah. then um, media empires starting to to crumble. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, when when something lasts three weeks, uh, you know it's uh, it's in trouble. I can't last three weeks. <laughs> uh, three minutes. I think that's my uh, that's my max. <laughs> all right, you want to talk about all that stuff? Oh man, let's do it. All right, let's do it in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do through, do so through Patreon and Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. Before we get into some new stuff, William, I just wanted to talk about an update on something we talked about in the episode before you disappeared for a little bit. And I don't use the word disappear dismissively. I use that as just a descriptor. Uh. We talked about, if you remember, Florida wanting to fire back against Disney by eliminating their Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is the district that they manage all themselves as if it's a county. So they're not beholden to the rules of Osceola County or Orange County, which the parks are split between. They have their own improvement district and, of course, their own county. And, of course, 
Bob Chapek, the CPO of Dis- CPO CEO of Disney, was put in a tough position because he didn't want to get involved with the falsely labeled "Don't Say Gay" bill. And I say falsely labeled because, as we discussed in the show, the bill doesn't say anything about not saying gay. It's about parental rights and education, and about what's appropriate to teach to children third grade and below. Yes, third grade and below. So he didn't want to get involved. But of course, the Disney union. And perhaps not even the union, perhaps just the social justice element within Disney, the same ones who did not want the park to open in Florida during the pandemic, right? So they claimed, oh, they don't care about their employees or customers. They just want to make money. But how do you help your employees and customers if you don't make money? And how do you, how do you not, how do you make money without caring about your customers and, and employees? Yeah, so that was very disintegrated. But they were at it again. They put a lot of pressure on Chapek to push back against the bill. So then this past week, uh, they made a new bill in the state of Florida, and everyone signed it to dissolve the Reedy Creek Improvement District. So that will be gotten rid of completely. And then on Friday, it was on Ron DeSantis' desk. He signed it. And now... In July 2023, the Reedy Creek Improvement District will be no more. So before we go into any of the details of this, William, on the surface, at first blush, this seems very disappointing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you the, the whole purpose of this was to help Disney be able to rapidly do the things that they need to do and generate tax revenue without having to... Well, without the government having to provide certain services. Right. So Disney provides those own services. So that doesn't fall on the people. Disney is responsible for it. And this has been in place since before Disney was built here. Right. Walt saw the issues in Anaheim and California and cut a different deal when he came here. And everyone has seen how that has led to such success of Disney here. And I think the state. I think one of the reasons there can be no state income tax is taxpayers don't have to carry the burden of Disney. So Disney carries its own burden. So on the surface, this seems very, very disheartening. It seems like a huge blow against freedom. And this is sort of the issues with the Republican parties and, and the right with as great of things as DeSantis has done over the pandemic and the blows for freedom he has had. For him to go forward with this as a political move seems anti-freedom, and it seems to hurt the constituents. Because, William, one of the things in here is Disney has billions of dollars of debt that it would have to pay back. And if this reverts to Orange and Osceola County, do you know who has to pay those bills back, that debt back? Oh, Lord. Mike was off. No, uh, I would I would have to guess. Well, guess if 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 the debt reverts to the county, who's responsible? I would guess, for the debt I would the guess that poor county would need to pay it, which is the citizens, right? Yeah. So essentially, this bill amounts to all of the Republicans in Florida, including DeSantis, saying the constituents that voted for them and will continue to vote for them, including for president, which assuming DeSantis wants to run for president will have to pay that bill. So he's increased the cost of living for, frankly, me, 
right? I mean, this will fall directly on me, right? If they raise property tax or heaven forbid, they institute an income tax, a state income tax or a county income tax. I don't even know. Is that legal accounting? I would assume it is, right? Uh, So there are any number of ways this could increase the cost of living for me, right? So this, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem to make sense, especially because, William, I don't believe that this is necessarily about grooming these kids for sexual deviancy. I've never believed that. I don't even think all this movement towards, you know, transgenderism and the open acceptedness of all of these differing lifestyles is about that. I just think that's a consequence of the collectivist, relativist, subjectivist lifestyle Mm. philosophy. What do you think? Yeah, I've... Anytime we, anytime we see the Republicans try to stand up, we inevitably see something that is mixed at best. So, it, without without sound principles, this is this is often the result. I think. Right, but my question was though: Do you think Disney is involved with child grooming? Because I don't think that's the issue here. I think you know you just said the mixed issue. I think yeah. Bob Chapek is as much as much in the crosshairs here, and as much trying to have a mixed approach as DeSantis is because remember Chapek took over a super social justice Disney right if we look at Marvel we look at uh, everything that's come out of Disney recently hasn't it all been super social justice because you know Iger right and all those people uh, Star Wars was the other one I was trying to think of right look what was done with Star Wars with Kathleen Kennedy right look what was done with The Last Jedi if you look at these, it's super social justice. Chapek is clearly trying to move away from that. And I think he was trying to say, hey, I'm not going to get involved with politics the way my previous people have gotten involved. My predecessors yeah. have gotten involved. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think the left is looking to groom children. I don't think Disney is looking to groom children. I think they're just trying to forward their agenda and control the society. And as a result of that, you have to control all people. It's not trying to turn people into sexual deviants. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's true. I I don't think, I think that the, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about like on both sides without the principles, what the consequences are. And in this case, the the result may be that you're supporting people who do end up grooming children. Right. Right. But that's not the goal. And it's the same with Republicans instead of supporting, um, you know, something that would advance, uh, you know, parents rights and 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 capitalism in general you end up doing something like this which is sort of uh shooting yourself in the foot yeah and it's the same thing as what what you're saying about like desantis with the freedom thing right i i want to be clear that i don't think desantis is personally against freedom i think he's pretty libertarian personally but i think he's in this unenviable position where there's this wing this this maga wing of the Republican party that he has to genuflect to in order to get elected in order to get support. And he's trying to run a national presidential campaign. So he has to do things like this, where as you're saying, he's going against his principles here and look what the result is. The result is an anti-free market bill has just been signed in Florida. Now I think he is trying to mitigate this. And, you know, I talked to you know Dan about this, uh, Daniel, Daniel Richards, former co-host, and he put me on to the the fact, and I had read this in an article, but he really 
put me under the fact of what I mentioned. This is not going to affect until July 2023. And there is a clause in here that Disney can renegotiate the improvement district in that year and potentially after the the improvement district is dissolved. So this does not mean the death knell of this. This is just a political game of chicken. And perhaps DeSantis is doing this knowing that Disney will come back to the table and renegotiate and things won't change. But at the same time, that won't get the headlines this gets. So he gets to play to his base more. Yeah, it's basically a gun to their head uh, until the election, right? This is basically shut up until the election. Right. Shut up until the election and, you know, we'll figure the things out behind closed doors. And it gives Chapek an out, too. Now, part of the issue is that now there's rumors of Chapek being replaced and Iger being, Iger being brought back in, which shows the whole cultural wow. battle this is. Yeah. But that that's that's the problem here is is this is a much deeper battle that's being fought. It's just Florida is the battleground right now. People don't realize that. Yeah. I mean, you want to look at the other extreme. It's the second thing I wanted to talk about in this this episode, William. The federal mask mandate on air traffic finally ended. Right. So federally, there's no more requirement to wear a mask for COVID, which we finally, as we said, would happen in March. It has happened in March. Finally, we've returned to normal here in this country as much as we can be normal now, you know, considering the psychological damage and the cultural damage that's been done. But of course... What county in California, William, is keeping the mask mandate at airports and on public transit? Well, I can tell you it's not Osceola County. Uh, well, that's not it in is California, LA County. But, right. <laughs> it's not my county. I would be surprised. Uh, how about Orange? I should have said Orange County. It's not right. Orange County. <laughs> Correct. Orange County would have been the funnier joke. Uh, Man. That, but that's exactly the point. As bad, right, and as mixed as the DeSantis issue is and what's happening with Disney here is... Look how transparent L.A. is being about this. I mean, let me ask you this, William. Did you fly Mm -hmm. back from Santa Rosa? No, no, I drove. But I have a report from uh, Midsider and uh, Peak Torque podcast host Dane, who said uh, when he flew out on Thursday, he said it was 50-50 on the mask uh, at LAX. So So he flew out of LAX. Yeah. Yep. Well, let me ask you this. This is what I'm curious. And can we ask Dane about this? Or did he comment on this? Uh, when you're on he, the tarmac, do you, have to, yeah. do you have to have the mask on? <laughs> and then when you get in the air, you can take it off? As soon as you fly. Yeah, as, you're, if you, as you uh, lose sight of uh, Inglewood in the new stadium, you can, uh, you can put, take the mask off. Yeah, Right, sort of like when you're in international waters. International waters, yeah. <laughs> if you reach 10,000 feet, then you can take it off. Yeah, the COVID uh, goes away. Well, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Say I fly next Christmas from Florida to L.A. to visit my girlfriend's, my girlfriend's, my wife's family, right? Yeah. Or a girlfriend. I mean, yeah, I, mean I guess. I mean, <laughs> don't want to really blow that spot up on, on the show, but <laughs> to visit my wife's family, right? I guess you can say my family now, right? Although that always seems yeah. strange to me. But do I have to put the mask on when I land? At what point do I have to put the mask on? I don't know. It's unclear. Uh, and then also, aren't you in like, you know, we do the, uh, airport is, uh, often considered, you know, uh, federal areas, right. Or even international right. areas, depending on which uh, flight you're coming in. Uh, so do you have to, like, as you go through the, uh, like, let's say you're, you're at the, the, what is the Bradley terminal, the international terminal, and you've flown in from, uh, Japan, 
Um, do you have to, after you cross, uh, you know, customs, you have to put it on. There'll be a separate, uh, you know, like a mask, uh, disposable mask dispenser. So you can put it on and walk the, uh, uh, the thousand yards to, uh, to the, uh, ridiculous horseshoe. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, and it, I mean, it raises another question that I don't know legally that you made me just think of is jurisdiction, right? I mean, we do have the, you know, full faith and credit clause where any power not given to the federal government is given to the states. But how does that work on federal land? If the airport is considered federal, right, and an L.A. county sheriff tells you to put a mask on, what if TSA comes over and tells you you don't have to have your mask on? Do they have jurisdiction over that L.A. county sheriff in the it's airport? All fascinating. Fascinating and useless. Well, right. Why are we doing this? Well, why are we doing this, William? Isn't this, as I was saying, how transparent the far left is about that this is a measure of control? Yeah. Well, and is is wearing a mask, like let's imagine you're flying uh, from Sydney to LAX. Is uh, wearing that mask as soon as you land going to help? Yeah. How many many hours is the flight? 16 Sydney to LAX? Yeah. Yeah, so you've been yeah. you've been in that air uh, you've been in that airplane together without a mask on, and then you put it on. Well, I guess that way the people on the plane can't infect everyone else, right? We keep the zombie right, outbreak right, just right. to the people who are part of that plane. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as you get off property, then you know, spread it around, right? Right. Yeah, I don't. I, makes no sense. Makes no sense. Uh, I was going to say something else, and I forgot what it was. So let's just talk about another thing that happened on a plane this week that was absolutely insane. And it got some traction in the midside discord. So there's a video of Mike Tyson punching a guy in the face on for, in first class on an airplane. And, you know, you would think, how hard did he hit the guy and what happened? Well, what it looks like to me, and William, correct me if I'm wrong about what I'm observing in this video it looks to me like stupid kids some who somehow got in first class and i say kids they're probably closer to our age or in their 20s right are trying to get attention by having mike tyson appear in one of their videos for social media and it would seem that he just got so sick of the guy who was sitting behind him keep trying to get his attention that he just turned around and punched him is that what you saw yeah, it looks like uh, uh, personal space may have been violated. Uh, lots of obnoxious behavior that uh, on the video. Uh, love to see any uh, like it's, it seemed like it was edited down, so you don't you don't see what actually happened right before. But uh, but yeah, it looks like a just uh, assholes trying to make a, a YouTube video. Well, right, and or that's the first TikTok video thing, or something. Right, that's the first thing about this video that stuck, sticks out to me is. Okay, I get if you're on a plane with someone famous taking a picture or filming for 30 seconds and being like, oh, that's cool. But then again, I walked onto a plane and Gronk was sleeping right there. I didn't take out my phone and take a picture. I didn't stop and film him. You know what I mean? The guy... You didn't You didn't wake him up to ask him for an autograph? No. The guy who was sitting with him said a comment to me about my Edelman jersey and I went about getting on the plane. Like, they're just people, you know? But that's the first thing here is the performative nature of social media culture led to these people over and over again making a video and not letting it go. So that's the first thing that stood out to me. 
Well, hey, it's success. I mean, they've got a video, right? Everyone's going to watch it. It's going to go I viral, mean, right? Yeah, but is that a good thing? No, but I I mean, from their perspective, the, the, the punching was probably the best thing to happen. Right. Well, and I mean, that's that's uh, reflected in the fact that nobody pressed charges. Mike Tyson didn't press charges. They didn't press charges, right? The the police came on the plane, talked to them, and let both of them go because nobody wanted to press charges. Because even though that guy got punched so hard by Mike Tyson, his fa- face is bloody, he didn't want to press charges because what was he looking for? Like you said, attention, success, yeah. going viral. And, of course, Mike Tyson doesn't want to press charges because it just... He wants it to go away. But there's the other issue this raises. Is what Mike Tyson did wrong? Right? We had the whole thing with Will Smith and his slap and discussing, you know, aggression and the initiation of force. And I think that this incident raises questions about all of those things. First of all, there's the whole in a trapped area part of it where Mike Tyson had nowhere he could go to get away from this guy, which does that change the conditions of things? To me, it does, right? Because normally you can just walk away from someone like this, right? You can just walk away from someone like this. And I've been in an altercation where somebody was yelling at me and I wanted to hit him. And then he told me to walk away because he knew the best thing for me to do was to walk away. But he wanted to frame it as if he was the bigger person by telling me to walk away. So he still has the power. So yeah. people know that commonly that's what you're supposed to do in these situations, but he can't. And then a tiger is a tiger. A lion is a lion. And what I mean by that is you can't expect to harass a lion over and over again and not have him eat you. Well, it's Mike Tyson. Do you really think if you harass him over and over again, he's not going <laughs> to punch you? And I'm not excusing him for that, but... A yeah. is A. Explaining right? behavior. Yeah, exactly. Explaining behavior is not excusing behavior. Yeah. Mike Tyson has a history of uh, of uh, biting and or punching things. But at the same time, is he morally responsible then? Because if we tell him that's what he is and that's what he is valuable for, what do we expect him to do? No. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do get what you mean. But yeah, he's still morally responsible here. I mean, I don't I don't mind that no charges were were filed. I mean, that that doesn't bother me. I don't think I don't think Mike Tyson is a dangerous man that uh, that will go around punching random people or biting random ears off. Well, certainly, and it's between the two of them. And if that's what they wanted, you know, in their their interaction, they don't want to press charges. Then fine. But well, goes- I mean, we don't we don't see what like I said, we don't see what happened uh, right before. Maybe he said, "I'd like to be punched by Mike Tyson." Who knows? I mean, that is that <laughs> is a possibility. What better way to get an autograph from Mike Tyson than on your face? Well, I was going to say, that's better than an autograph from Mike Tyson, isn't it? You can, you can get that tattooed, right? This is from Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson punched, punched me. me. <laughs> oh. but, but that raises sort of the, fi- the final sort of, sort of issue. Uh, oh, what was I going to... I had a final issue. I forgot what it was. Let me, let me step back a second here. Forgetfulness, the final issue. Yeah, forgetfulness, the final issue. It's just, oh, no, I, I know what it is. Now, I'm going to put aside this possibility that they said off camera, hey, Mike, I'd like you to punch me, right? Now, there's also the possibility, William, that that blood is fake, right? I mean, 
this looked like a YouTube video. This looked like a social media video. That could have all been faked, yeah, right? Yeah. So yep. we don't know how much of this was faked, but I believe it's real. And, you know, let's pretend they didn't. The Mike Tyson is a deep fake. <laughs> Mike Tyson is a deep fake. Let's pretend they didn't ask to be punched. Is not only Mike Tyson morally not responsible, but is he commendable for this? <laughs> and w- w- what I mean by that is, haven't we often discussed on this show narcissism? And we've discussed on the lack of personal boundaries anymore and how one of the great things about America used to be slash still is the idea that everyone has personal space because everyone's an individual. But now with cameras and social justice culture, everyone's a victim. Me, me, me. People don't have that anymore where, you know, people weren't respecting Mike Tyson on the plane. They just wanted his attention or wanted an autograph, wanted their clout. And so he was just responding properly to them because we talk about William, the, the initiation of physical force, but when does the initiation of psychological force get taken seriously as a threat as well? And is this the initiation of psychological force where people are just not caring about you? They're not respecting you as an individual and they're doing it to the point that they're minimizing your importance and your, personhood when does that become the initiation of psychological force and can you respond to the initiation of psychological force with physical force i know that's a lot of questions but i think this incident raises all of these questions hmm. well i i think the answer is probably no um part to of the everything is, i said to no to everything i said well i can't answer them all but yes no <laughs> yeah. uh well i mean about the psychological force that the response being physical i think that the response often is physical um you know we 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 when you think about like a causal chain taking sort of morality out of it you know often a uh, psychological sort of uh hostility is what leads to a physical altercation um you see that in domestic abuse you see that in um in uh just assault and and you know how many bar fights start that way right um well i can speak personally i know the only time i've ever wanted to hit someone is when they're being psychologically hostile to me yeah yeah i think i don't ever feel physically threatened like people who are bigger than me I think I've said this on the show before. I've definitely said it with the students I'm teaching when I'm making points about like physical violence because there's a lot of fights in my school when I'm making points about, you know, how to protect yourself and what not to. If somebody's that much bigger than me, William, I don't feel physically threatened. You know what my reaction to them is? If that dude wants to kill me, he's going to kill me. I'm not going to feel afraid about it. You get what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. Of like, like I said, with a lion, I'm not going to stand in front of a lion and like worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if if I'm standing next to like an offensive lineman, like if that dude wants to, to hit me and hurt me, he can. Like it's not it's not the same thing as like feeling like and then people who are closer to my size, I don't feel physically threatened by because I believe I can protect myself. Yeah. But psychologically, and maybe this speaks to a weakness in my own psychology, but I find that much more threatening because people don't back down. And what I mean by that is in the same token that I'm, I don't feel fear for the people who are bigger than me. Part of why I don't feel fear about that is they're not going to hurt me because what good does it serve them? 
I'm yeah. not a I'm not a threat to them, and I'm not mean to them. I'm I'm a good curse person. I'm a kind person. Yeah. So they're not like that to me. They're cool with me. Now, people who have issues who are closer to my size become a threat. So that's something I have to worry about. But psychologically, people don't have that sort of mindset. People who are psychologically hostile will continue to be no matter what. I guess what I would say is it's that the the concept of uh, sort of the interpersonal hostility that we all often talk about, there there is, I think, a recognition of something like that already in law, right? We We understand that if someone is threatening you in, in specific ways that physical violence is acceptable, right? Yes. If someone is, is, uh, I, I, I'm trying to make up a, a good example, but if someone isn't showing you a gun, but says, I have a gun and I'm going to, you know, blow up, you know, uh, blow away all these, uh, bank employees, right? Like physical violence will be used against that person justly. Yeah. Um, now, uh, if someone won't leave you alone on a plane, um, I, I think there are probably other ways to deal with that situation than uh, turning around and punching people. I mean, especially in first class, uh, where's where's the damn stewardesses? Right. Or sorry, and, flight attendants. Yeah. And you're exactly right. And most people, this wouldn't have been an issue with. Again, this is because it's Mike Tyson. And what do you expect Mike Tyson to do? Like. In this situation, do you expect Mike Tyson not to punch someone in the face? Right, Most people aren't going to do that. They, like you said, they're going to deal with the flight attendants, those type of things. But with the added element of narcissism here, William, I think this raises the question, and I don't think this is an answerable question right now. Maybe you have an answer, and you can let me know. But I no. think it raises a question of where is there, the There line? was too many questions uh, for, uh, for this early on a Sunday morning in a row. <laughs> well, here, here's the big question, okay? And it's based upon what you just said. Where's the line between the way the law recognizes the initiation of psychological force in the instances you said and the way narcissists are acting nowadays with interpersonal hostility? Where is the line? I think the previous story is the answer. It's the L.A. County, Orange County line. (laughs) That is where the line is. All right. So it's the Florida, California dichotomy. Yeah. Yep. That's not the episode title, although that's a good one that we can continue <laughs> later on. But I meant philosophically. I didn't mean the physical line, right? You get what I'm saying? Oh, 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 okay. Okay, so... No, that's a good question. Right. Let's so talk we, about it in the Discord. Yeah, we'll leave that open. Maybe people in the Discord have, a, have a, an answer to the Florida-California dichotomy, as we've called it, or the LA-Orange County line, as we've called it. But what a, what a pop punk band name. <laughs> Instead of Florida Georgia line. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that funny how that worked out? Yeah. All right. We'll have some more pop punk content later in the episode. But for now, we need to talk about, um, you know, if you're going to talk about Mike Tyson's going to do Mike Tyson things, well, CNN's going to do CNN things and implode. So uh, there's a link here. I'm going to drop it in the Discord right now where. The New York Times has an article about the, it's called Inside the Implosion of CNN Plus. Now, there's a lot in this article, and it's an interesting read if you get a chance. But the basics are this. CNN decided to launch a description, or a description, a subscription only streaming service called CNN Plus, because if you have a streaming service nowadays, it has to have a plus at the end of it. Uh, and they were, they had a certain number of hours of live, uh, live content 
and I guess the rest was like travel shows and things like that. Like they had, uh, I forget the name of the actress, a Hispanic actress was, uh, doing a travel show on there. And right now time Warner is merging with discovery. Warner media is merging with discovery. And because CNN plus only had about 10,000 daily viewers, uh, discovery has decided post merger to kill it after only three weeks of existence. Now, William, I, for one, am not surprised about this. And I am actually glad to hear this because people have talked about it way beyond our show, right? I don't want to claim that this is anything original on our show, but there are too many streaming services and every company does not see see a streaming service, does not need a streaming service. So to me, this is the beginning of the bubble bursting for streaming services. What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, I I don't know if I put it, this is, this could be the bursting of the bubble. And the way I, the way I mean that is CNN has so many other problems that it's hard to know if this is the, you know, this is just the uh, top foam of the bubble or the entire bubble. But yes, I think, I think that this does indicate a domino that is going to continue to roll down into other streaming services. I mean, look at, look at Disney plus and how much of a black hole of money that has been for Disney. And Disney is talking a big talk about subscriber count, but you know, a lot of the incentives they gave and a lot of the partnerships uh, they gave were like, uh, you know, free one year of Disney streaming service. When you buy this, uh, I don't know, this uh, electric air fryer, right? Like it was very, very much a lot of people on promotions and uh we 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 don't really know the numbers for things like disney plus cnn plus i know the article uh, uh which uh it cites an unnamed source so who knows if it's true said that they had a peak concurrent viewership of ten thousand. uh there's there's a uh, probably uh uh thousands of steam games that have more concurrent players than cnn plus had concurrent viewers well, your your referencing of Steam games is awesome, and you have to take into account all the other platforms and apps and everything that are out there. And yeah. I think that there's a market share issue here that's not being addressed by these companies. And what I mean by that is, I was saying not everyone needs a streaming service because I think CNN looks at the way things used to be. And they had such a large market share and such a large viewership. And the same thing here can be applied to Disney Plus with their subscriber count. And what I mean by that is, back in the day, William, were there other options besides television? Of course, we have YouTube and Twitch. I mean, way uh, before that. I mean, I'm talking about before, let's say before the computer, before the internet, were there other options? I know. No, you had newspaper, you had magazines, you had... That's about it. Well, and they were the first ones to sort of go through this, right? The the print... Media. They were the first ones to go through this, this recalibration. And what I'm referring to is, of course, when you have a captive audience, your ratings are going to be high. Right. Of course, when we look at the old sitcoms like All in the Family back in the day, those were going to be more popular and culturally resonant because that's all people had the option to watch. There weren't more yeah. choices. And there was yeah, a, the 70s. The 70s were particularly bad with television, right? You had 
you know, just terrible, terrible shows all around. Right. right. And that's the other thing that, you know, this all breeds higher quality of content. But even if you have a higher quality of content, it doesn't mean you're going to get a bigger market share. And what I mean by that is there was a brief period of time in the 90s and 2000s where cable news had a captive audience before technology had grown to the point of streaming services before, you know, if you remember, iPhones weren't that great when they first came out. They weren't that fast. It took forever just to load a box score because I remember the first thing I thought was cool when I got my phone, when I got an iPhone in the mid 2000s was that I could, you know, know the Red Sox scores as it was happening. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I can keep up on this. I can do other things and still know what's going on with other things. But at that yeah. point, it still was more feasible to get news through these cable news, 24-hour cable news companies. But now, there's not as much of a demand for that. So logically, their viewership is going to go down. There's more. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think if you subtracted out airports, uh, the CNN actual cable channels viewers would be less than 10,000. It's possible. It's possible. But how I mean, there is obviously an element of that that's because of CNN's poor quality, but also how much of it is due to the competition and due to the other alternatives. And that's now a company should learn to pivot if it wants to have a greater market share. I mean, look at the way Netflix pivoted from we're going to send you DVDs to well, and, and look at look, look at the the uh, late night shows, how they are heavily heavily promoted by youtube the clips from those shows are heavily heavily promoted by youtube and just to keep them culturally relevant right because nobody's watching those either and uh and it's it's crazy to me that uh the you know the same thing is happening with news uh you know news clips will be just so heavily promoted in, in everyone's youtube feed uh because you know it's a authoritative cnn is an authoritative source Meanwhile, people who actually covered the news uh, on YouTube, independent uh, journalists, you know, Tim Pool, uh, you know, Philip DeFranco, like all these people who like made the news on YouTube a thing get, you know, crazy rules applied to them. They can't talk about war or violence, right? Because that violates the uh, YouTube terms of service. It may not be suitable for all advertisers, but CNN can, right? Well, right. And And they can also get heavily promoted on YouTube if they cover something. So well, that uh, goes back outbreak. to the that goes back to Elon Musk buying Twitter, right? Buying such a large yeah. share of Twitter and trying to blow that up because these companies' inability or unwillingness to accept the way culture is changing and the way the rules are changing, and I don't mean the yeah. rules as in like the rules that they've created. I mean that's what they're doing. I mean the rules as in, you know, this is the technology now. This is how it creates alternative. This is means necessarily people are going to have less market share. Right. Think about what it means to be a successful Instagram influencer. You don't need that many followers or you don't because necessarily the competition is so strong and things are so diversified now and it's niche cultures. Well, they've tried to have a stranglehold, William, by what you're saying, by using their network of people to influence these platforms. And that's why they were so threatened by Elon Musk. But that's the whole thing I'm I'm point I'm making overall. This is not limited to news. This is we're seeing this with Netflix. We're seeing with what you saw with Disney Plus, what you said about Disney Plus. Right. People are saying, well, Netflix is talking about cracking down on number of accounts, account sharing, because they're not getting the subscriber base they thought they would get. Disney Plus is not getting the subscriber base they thought they would get. This isn't back in the day where there were five TV channels. 
maybe the better way is if you've got a company like Discovery Warner, maybe they have one streaming service if you want the most amount of subscribers you possibly can. But then you're still competing with all the other giant companies. Maybe Disney should have one streaming service with a Hulu channel under it. You know, maybe they're going to change the technology to work that way. But the point still remains. CNN's tried to launch this because they're worried about, oh, we need to find a way to keep a captive audience and keep money coming in. But maybe they need to readjust their company and understand that either they need to offer new services and they need to think of how to innovate. You know, what can we do besides just the news nowadays? Because cable news isn't as popular or they need to adjust their expenditures to be in line with the amount of profits they'll be able to sustain and take in over the new culture. And I'm saying that not just across all of the not just across the news, but across all culture. Because I don't think these streaming services are the answer anymore. And I think people are starting to see that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, well, and, and to add to it, William, I've seen people adding the subscription-based model outside of entertainment. I mean, there's Walmart Plus now. Did you know that? <laughs> no, no. But I would like to announce uh, the Midside Plus. Uh, it's actually Plus Plus. So uh, it's twice the plus. No, it's the midside minus your money. <laughs> yeah, the midside minus your money. That, yeah. but, no, that, but that's exactly the point. Everyone is trying to move towards this subscription-based model because they're seeing, oh, well, your taxes come out automatically. So if you know you can belong to McDonald's Plus and you give them eight ninety nine in a month, and then you can just you know have yeah. yeah. I'd like to four... unsubscribe from the uh, federal government. Uh, Justin, could you uh, take care of that for me? <laughs> I think we'd all like to. <laughs> so, uh, again, I'm not surprised at the implosion of CNN Plus. I'm not going to cheer for it because, you know, it's not, you know, I know people are like, oh, no, it's evil, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it's just a result of their low quality. I think it's also a result of the overall culture. And I don't think a streaming news service had any business getting involved. I mean, I don't think a cable news service had any business getting involved in a subscription-based model for streaming news. But then again, maybe somebody's going to come along and prove me wrong. So, what do I know? All right, anything else you want to add, William? Uh, I think that that article in particular is fascinating, uh, um, Inside Baseball, about mergers and uh, how how they work and how crazy our laws are on businesses. So uh, even from that perspective, you're like, ah, oh, boring CNN. Uh, there's also this, this other side of it that uh, is also fascinating. Yeah. Right. And it's not hard to connect the dots to this, to Zack Snyder's justice league. When we talk about HBO max being involved with this as well. Yeah. And yeah. Jason Kalar, the head of HBO max is out. So there are so many implications of this article and of the CNN plus implosion. It's, it's, it's very fascinating culture, business, Legally. All right, so let's shift more to now a direct entertainment conversation in the hopeful romantic with JML. When I 
I wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. That's if you go to the midside.com slash podcast or the midside.com, click on any episode link, and then in there, there'll be the invite link. Join our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. This week, for the review, I saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent starring Nicolas Cage. He plays a fictional version of himself. Of course, if you remember the trailer from Trailer Takedown, this was one that I hugged. And I'm glad I did hug it. I wouldn't call this the greatest movie in the world, but this is pretty funny. And it's a meditation on sort of balancing being an artist and having a family and also a commentary on the sort of movies we make nowadays. It starts out as sort of a more artsy psychological indie drama and it expands, grows into an action movie at the end. And that is all very intentional. It is very meta. Whereas in the movie, Nick Cage is down on his luck, his career, and he is... Uh, offered a million dollars to go to a Spanish guy's birthday party and stay at his villa. When he gets there, the you know, the U.S. government tells him that uh, this guy is actually a drug cartel lord and he's kidnapped a daughter of a king from another country that he's trying to influence the election of. And Nick Cage is brought on to be a spy. Now, I want to say that that premise uh, actually was an Amazon Prime. If you remember, Amazon was trying to do original series that had people vote on for a while. Well, Jean-Claude Van Damme did a series where that was the same thing, where he was using his acting as a cover to be a spy. So that premise in itself isn't that original. But where this sort of takes an interesting turn is Nick Cage befriends the, the guy, Javier, played by Pedro Pascal, and they start writing a script together. Now, the script becomes meta, and I very quickly leaned over to my wife and said, oh, well, the script they're writing is the movie we're watching right now, and that you know bears itself <laughs> out at the end of the movie, uh, and that's sort of where the commentary comes in. Uh, so it sort of becomes interesting in that way. Uh, if you appreciate Nick Cage making fun of himself for his delivery and going over the top, you'll really appreciate uh, this movie. There's a few moments that are very, very laugh-out-loud funny, but I wouldn't call this the greatest movie ever. I don't think it's super insightful, particularly. I think it requires a, um appreciation for Nick Cage. Uh, when we left the theater, I looked around at all the people who left the theater uh, and noticed some commonalities among them. So I don't think this will play to a general audience. But, you know, if you can enjoy things that are a little different, from what's out there and things that take a risk and are more original, then I think you'll appreciate this movie. Uh, I will give it a solid middle of the road bro rating. So I wouldn't All right. rush out. So better than movie. snake eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's better than a lot of Nick Cage movies. I would definitely <laughs> say that, uh, but I wouldn't tell anyone to rush out to see it. If you get the opportunity to see this, see this, but I wouldn't rush out to see this movie. And you know, it's a lot better than William. You missed the review of, Last episode, solo episode. What's that? Sonic 2. Oh, man. Worst movie I've seen in a long, long time. Oh, that's disappointing. Very, especially because the first one was very good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First one was very enjoyable. Yeah. 
All right, so let's transition now. Let's talk about some movies that are going to come out. As always, I like to put the tr- the the links to the trailers in our Discord channel before the episode is recorded, so that way you can follow along. You know, however you want to do it. If you want to, you know, watch the trailers all before you listen, watch the trailers all after you listen, or you know, watch a trailer we talk about it. Watch a trailer we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Thor: Love and Thunder is the fourth Thor movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In it, Thor is trying to come to terms with his homeworld of Asgard being destroyed, and even though he's a god, now having no plan for his life. Uh, This is what you would expect from Marvel. Uh, There's one sort of interesting, insightful moment in the trailer where Star-Lord talks about where you don't know where you're going, just look at the people you love, look them in the eyes, and then that's completely undermined by a joke. You know, I don't necessarily agree, as we've talked about many times in the show, with Star-Lord's perspective. I think that, as shown as well through um, the Peacemaker series, that James Gunn is ultimately an emotionalist, and that is shaping all of his art, and the same thing has been done to Star-Lord in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know what his character is like in the comics, but, you know, Regardless of that, it's that moment still undermined. So even if they're promoting emotionalism, they undermine that with a joke. Uh, I do appreciate the sort of 80s approach to this. I do like sort of the vintage 80s artwork. I like the use of the Guns N' Roses sign, uh, song Sweet Child of Mine in this trailer. But then at the end, the, the punch, the tag, is seeing Natalie Portman as a superhero, as the mighty Thor. And that didn't do anything for me either. So there's just nothing like, you know, Midsider Cody said in the chat that he's marveled out. I think we're all sort of marveled out at this point. And as <laughs> much as you know what you're getting with this, right? Is, just, not, it's, is that going to be the new fucked out? Oh man, that's fucked out. That song's fucked out. Oh man, that song's marveled out. Yeah. I think a hundred percent it's going to be that because you know what you're getting from this and it's not going to be poorly made, but, you know what you're going to get. This doesn't look like it's going to be anything spectacular. You know, at least Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is Sam Raimi, and it's got the multiverse in it. And those are two new unique things. But a drama, a comedy drama about Thor trying to find his place in the universe. Been there, done that. Not interesting. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. I mean... You focused in on that joke, which is, you know, has some serious uh, gay undertones, right? And also, like, this is just a continuation. I know it's it's getting a little cringe, uh, as the uh, as the YouTubers say, to point this out. But uh, this is definitely part of the MCU, right? We were going to have female Thor, right? We, we got to replace every male with uh, uh, with a female. So uh, I'm sure that's going to be the uh, the ultimate uh, goal of the of this uh, Thor movie. But I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing here. It's going to be uh, 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 eye candy, right? I'm sure there'll be lots of special effects and completely pointless and unwatchable and out-of-context co- uh, fight scenes. It's going to be everything a Marvel movie should be. I don't know that this is... Uh, is this going to get a billion dollars, just like all the other ones? Uh, eventually, it's not, right? We're going to have... A, could could this be another uh, Captain Marvel? I kind had of the same like thought. It from the, uh, from the trailer, right? Yeah, so, I had the same yeah. thought, William, when watching it. I, I said, are they really going to keep making a billion dollars with these movies? Yeah, yeah. I, I think... We, I don't... I, I, don't know how, I, I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to sell this crap to China, but 
hey, more more power to them while they can. Get that money while it's, while it's being printed, I guess. But for, as for me, they will not be getting mine. So, tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Foxhole is a small-scale drama, which I'm assuming parallels, or I'm hoping parallels, uh, what goes on in the foxhole in three separate wars. We have uh, Iraq, I believe it's... Was it 2004 Iraq? Yeah, 2004 Iraq. Yeah. Uh, World War One and the Civil War. Now, I say small scale because I want to be very clear that the production value is not great, right? If you're looking for, you know, Zack Snyder level special effects and cinematography, you're not going to get this here. But I think that the concept is so creative and innovative and it it offers the potential for as i'm saying the parallel commentary that could go on here on war and the psychological effects of it on the people who are fighting it and the moral dilemmas right because there's the one point in this trailer where i believe it was world war one where they take someone hostage and they say you can't execute a prisoner of war you're not legally allowed to and then the guy says well he's not a prisoner until i take him prisoner Right. There's a lot of interesting things that if you can draw a a line of parallel that integrates all of these three time periods, then this could be a very insightful movie that is very impactful. So I'm willing to forgive or not care as much about some of the lower production value because, hey, how many movies in this culture did we embrace for years before the technology was so great? by being able to say, hey, you know, these are good stories and and give this a chance. I think that this could be a surprise movie and I'd be willing to watch some of it on on a streaming service. I wouldn't go to theaters for this. I don't think this would be released in theaters anyway to see and see where this is going. So for me, this is a, a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Yeah, yeah. I think you've you've made uh, most of the points I would make. Uh, it, it looks, you know, it almost looks like uh, something that, could be a stage production in a way right uh you said you know small scale like uh it's it's interesting to switch between those time periods and how they're going to handle that uh just one other like minor uh red flag uh i i i think there were maybe only you know 30 seconds of the clip that was uh, sorry of the of of seeing the visual clips of from the film that wasn't in slow motion so uh if uh hopefully that was just the trailer editor and not uh, saying that like you know 89 percent of the movie will be in slow motion but uh but yeah i think this is uh worth the risk of a netflix and hug i mean william wasn't the majority of zack snyder's justice league in slow motion uh, that's that's true and some people didn't like that right i can understand that as a taste thing right yeah. uh like i don't like lens flare so uh you know i have uh um uh PTSD from Transformers when I whenever I see lens flare. Um, yeah, and over, the whole movie wasn't in slow mo. It was used as a technique. A whole movie in slow mo would be oh my god, painful. <laughs> oh yeah. Third trailer. We need to talk is a comedy about a YouTube streamer, a gaming streamer on YouTube who has a hyper successful channel, but it's negatively impacting his relationship with his girlfriend because. You know, he doesn't have as much time to invest in her, and she is not as involved in the digital world. Now, I'm not going to lie, William. I put this trailer on here because when I read the description of it, I thought this would be another example of, like, a movie trying to take advantage of what's hip 
and not really getting it and not really understanding it and just being like, oh, we need to make a character who's a streamer because that's what's popular nowadays and nobody's done a movie about a streamer yet. So I thought it was going to be that. But I actually thought that this trailer was well executed. And if the the movie is as, and I've used this word before about Foxhole, but if the movie is as insightful as it's purporting to being in the trailer, we're talking about how do you balance your digital life with your real life, then I think this could be really good, especially because it's it's within the trappings of, hey, when your girlfriend says we need to talk, how do you handle that? Well, how do you handle your girlfriend saying we need to talk within the trappings of modern digital streaming culture? And this movie seems to actually get it and seems to be handling it in an intelligent manner. And I appreciate that this is not shot naturalistically. It, it is a comedy. It wants you to know it's a comedy. It There's bright colors. The The production is quality is high. I don't know. I, I would actually see this in theaters. I, 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 have a high, I have high hopes for this, and I would, I would take a chance on this in theaters. Hug. Hug. Wow. In, very, very interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I have a very high bar for comedies. Um, there was some interesting things about the trailer, but I didn't really laugh during the trailer. And that's kind of like the, the, the Mason Dixon line for me for comedy. So, uh, despite all the very, very true statements that I agree with, uh, Justin, I'm going to have to tackle this one. Tackle. Final trailer. Good morning is a movie written and directed by Maud son and machine gun Kelly which stars Machine Gun Kelly. Now, interestingly, Maud's son goes by his pop-punk music moniker in this, whereas Machine Gun Kelly goes by his real name, Cole Barker. And Machine Gun Kelly has starred in other movies before. He was in the movie Nerve with Dave Franco, which I enjoyed him in, and I enjoyed that movie. And actually, when I when I saw Nerve, it was one of the times I was really like, why is Machine Gun Kelly not involved in pop-punk? So... This movie is a pop punk version of um, oh, William. What's uh, I had it pre-show, and I keep thinking of How High, starring Method Man and Redman, but that's not the one. That's it. What's the um, Dave Chappelle stoner movie? Half baked. Half baked. That's it. Half baked. And I kept doing that in my head. I kept trying to think of Half Baked, but I kept thinking of How High. But yeah, this is the pop punk version of Half Baked. Now. If you know anything about pop punk nowadays, Mod Sun and Machine Gun Kelly are dominating the industry, dominating the scene in the mainstream. They're bringing the, the genre, along with Travis Barker, the drummer of Blink-182, back into mainstream prominence. And they're great pop punk artists, Mod Sun especially. That guy, like, I don't know if he can write a non-hit pop punk song, right? So it's interesting to see them try to transition to another style of entertainment. If you like an artist in one style of entertainment, will you like them in another? That's sort of an interesting question for me here. The other thing is, saying that this is half-baked, right? Half-baked is, of course, a stoner movie, and this looks like it's a stoner movie, right? In it, Machine Gun Kelly, Cole Barker, plays an actor whose girlfriend seems to break up with him. She sends him a text that says, good morning with a U, and then you know, similar to the last movie, we need to talk. He then spends the whole movie sort of spiraling out about what she needs to talk about. 
uh, and that involves taking drugs. And, you know, that is, as I've said before, one of the sides of the pop punk scene I don't like, right? I don't like the reliance on marijuana, the reliance on alcohol. You know, that's why I'm straight edge. However, one of the most contradictory things about my personality, William, is I find stoner humor to be hysterical. And I don't mean when they're (laughs) actually smoking drugs. I mean, this trailer opens with Machine Gun Kelly trying to film social media content, holding a wizard's wand, and he makes a Draco Malfoy joke, and it fucking killed me. It killed me. And the jokes they make throughout the trailer, I laugh at hysterically. And one of the funniest movies I've ever seen is Half Bake. And I, yeah, maybe this is why I don't smoke. I'm completely sober when I watch these movies and I find them hysterical. And I imagine people watch these movies high and they think they're funny. But I find them hysterical, completely sober. So maybe that's why I don't smoke because I'm naturally high. I don't know. But <laughs> with. There are three elements I'm using to judge why I'm going to see this movie. One, this is by people that I respect as pop punk artists, Mod Sun and Machine Gun Kelly. Two, I like that they're writing, directing it on their own, and that they're out. This is not a Marvel movie, right? We're talking about originality and giving new people a chance. Hey, let's give these people a chance. And then also, I laughed hysterically throughout this trailer, and this looks like a movie that I would laugh at hysterically. So this is a, a huge hug for me. Mm, hug. So uh, I have to start with a question for you, Justin. Did you see the like sort of uh, what was it called? Uh, 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 I forgot the name of it. But something something high school. The the really long music video it was almost like a uh, a musical. That uh, Machine Gun Kelly and uh, Travis Barker did for uh, for the uh, for the album for the first album. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, you should check it out on YouTube. Uh, it's like a bunch of songs uh, from the from the first uh, uh, pop punk ab- album, uh, Tickets for a Downfall, and it's like Downfall High or something. I can't remember exactly, but downfall uh, it's a whole high. Uh, Downfall is High. There we go. I was pretty close. It's an hour um, yeah, long. it's yeah, yeah. So uh, this uh, to say that this is uh, their directorial debut. Uh, well, I didn't say. Be, did uh, I say debut? No, no, no. Uh, well, I I think that I think other people I've seen articles right like this is you know uh, Colson Baker's uh, directorial debut. Oh, Mod so, Sun uh, did that one as well. Yes, yes. I'm telling you. So it, it's basically one long music video. Um, is the best way to describe. Uh, uh, that oh, and Travis Barker's some... the narrator. You gave me something else yeah. to watch. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's great. Uh, so, uh, so uh, not only will I, uh, will you watch that, but I'm going to say, hell yeah, this looks great. Uh, it may not be the best uh, film of the year, but uh, it looks like it's going to be fun. And yeah, of course, I'm all in. So let's watch it. Uh, what is it? What can I download it? Uh, hug. Hug. How much did you laugh at that trailer, William? Uh, I probably, uh, got, uh, five out of five chuckles on the chuckle meter for me. There was a lot of just funny things. So, uh, yeah, so, I know I have a high bar for comedy, but this, this, uh, like you said, there's just a, there's a irreverence to the, to the kind of stoner humor that is just very funny to me. Right. Exactly. Where it's like, they go to ridiculous places and you're just like, where did they come up with that? And there is a red band trailer. So I will say that I like this trailer so much that at the end it says, watch the red band trailer at whatever the movie's website is. 
And I went and I watched that too. So that's how much I liked this trailer. Nice. All right, William. That's the end of the episode. What did we learn this trip? I learned that uh, our the midside minus has outlasted CNN Plus. <laughs> Justin, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that we need to talk. I had something oh, else Lord. to say about that movie when you said something. I was going to say it in the what did we learn, but eh, you know eh. it was a good week. So I, I what I actually learned about this week was um, all the Disney stuff. I think it's interesting the way they built in the July 20, uh, 23 endpoint for this. So nothing may happen with that at all. We'll have to just monitor this over the next year. As always, I want to thank you all for listening. If it wasn't for you, it would just be me talking into a corner in the closet like a crazy person. It's still that. You just make me feel a little bit less crazy. If you'd like to support us, you can do so any number of ways. You can go to midside.com slash store, pick up any of the merch there, the midside.com slash the cut, pick up my debut novel. Uh, my next novel, I already know what I want it to be about, and I'm constantly gathering ideas on my iPhone, so I have a whole note opened up. So hopefully I'll be able to write that at some point. You know, it's just so much of my time is taken up with wrestling, so we'll see. But fortunately, that helps with what the book's about. Uh, you can also oh, support us. Through... I thought it was Tom Brady. I thought it was going to be Tom Brady. Uh, no, but I want to ask you something about that before we continue. <laughs> is it worth us talking about Man in the Arena on this podcast? Because I've been watching that and holy shit. Like, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that it's amazing. And just the number of things that I'm watching and I'm just like, wow, like this is everything I've been saying has been correct. And this is how this has been so influential on me or seeing myself reflected in what's being said or what Brady's saying has just been an incredibly powerful experience for me. Ooh, tantalizing. Let's hear the answer in discord. Well, what, what do you guys think? Minnesota's? Yeah. Maybe you want us to talk about it or you want a, uh, man in the arena exclusive episode. Let us oh, know. Baby. Let us know. Can also, as I was saying, support us on Patreon or locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. And as always, the best way to grow the show is to tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. We need to podcast. Oh man, Justin, I forgot to mention, last week was the week of rain. We, we actually got our rain here in LA, so now we've, we're full up to our quota.